Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Episode 42, The Sadness Hour. Recorded on August 11th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you? I'm uh, I'm okay. I'm uh, I could be better for a team for a fan of a team who's in first place, uh, but I suppose I could be worse for a team who for a fan whose team has been playing losing baseball for six weeks. Yeah, it has been fun. Although I'll say, as long as they're not losing to the Twins, I'll take. I'm okay with losing, even to the Yankees, I guess. But I was okay with losing to the Nationals as long as not the Twins anymore. I don't want to be subjected to that anymore. Yeah, that was an embarrassing <laughs> <Never>. series. <laughs> And we'll talk about it more later, but that's a team the Indians, they hope they luckily don't play a ton more against the Twins. So hopefully that'll our nightmare is almost over there, but I just don't want to see him watch them play them anymore. I don't ever want to see Max Kepler again, <laughs> but I'm sure we will at some point. Yes, so, Thursday, we're, we're recording Thursday afternoon before the Thursday game. The Indians are about to kick off a long homestand. I think it's like 11 games in a row, so hopefully they can uh, take advantage of sleeping in their own bed and... and and get things turned around here. Well, maybe they'll kick it off. Uh, I don't know if you saw and they that means they did a Facebook live video. I mean, it's cut their they have a huge storm right now. It's over here near us too. I don't know if it's the same one, probably not, but in Cleveland there's they're getting covered in rain right now. So, it's supposed to be like that for tonight and then even tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday are supposed to be even worse. So, this is going to be like the opening few games, I think, again, where we're going to be lucky to get a whole game in on time when it's supposed to be played. Well, this, this would be, I feel like, a, a bad game for the Indians to have uh, postponed. I mean, they, they have to try to make it up with a doubleheader one of the next two days because the Angels certainly aren't going to be in town again. And uh, I feel like right now the Indians, with like no days off, for, I mean, I know today would become a day off, but I don't think a doubleheader is, is what they need in this stretch. And I also feel like with uh, Corey Kluber on the mound, that's not an ideal time to have the game delayed either because it's obviously a favorable matchup for the Indians. So I'm going to hope the, the clouds part and they get to play tonight. Hopefully. I mean, by the time this comes out, we'll know. We'll just look silly either way. So <laughs> <laughs> so before we look ahead to that kind of stuff and all the other kind of sadness we're going to look at with Roberto Perez and Michael Brantley and all of that, let's talk about the last couple series. Luckily, there was no twins. Uh, the Indians were 2-1 and one against the Yankees. They split the two-game series with the Nationals. Altogether, they were outscored 21-26. to 26. You said they were 2-1 and one against the Yankees. So they were 1-2 one one. against the Yankees. Yeah. In my brain, it was switched to happiness, but I, I forgot it's sadness time right now. <laughs> and for a team that lost more games than they won the past week, there's actually a lot of good performances. There was Jose Ramirez. He had 12 hits, three doubles, and a home run. 
Brandon Geyer, who they got at the deadline to play the hit against lefties, he was four for 11. Uh, Rajai Davis had seven hits and a home run. And finally, for the first time in what feels like months, but maybe has been a month or two tops, Corey Kluber had a good start uh, at eight innings pitched, two earned runs. And then Trevor Bauer also had a good start with 6.1 innings pitched, four strikeouts, two walks. So Kluber's been good. All season long, but everyone else has struggled, but at least Bauer finally got a good outing in. Um, and then Dan Otero in relief. I don't think we've talked about him at all, but wow, he's been a surprise. <laughs> and he's, he pitched 3.1 innings over that last couple series. And then the bad, uh, Tyler Naquin, 0 for 13, 8 strikeouts. Lonnie Chisinau had one hit and 12 at-bats. And Carlos Santana was 4 for 22 with twelve strike, or 7 strikeouts. So maybe they'll finally cut the bum. Hashtag. <laughs> so what did you think of those last... What would that be? Five games that we played, we watched. Uh, well, being Max Scherzer felt like a blessing. And uh, splitting those two games coming off the week the Indians were having felt like sort of stopping the bleeding. Uh, losing two or three to the Yankees is always a drag. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing is the Tigers finally lost a couple games in a row, which felt like it hadn't happened for two months. Um, you know, so they were able to actually grow the lead a little bit the last, you know, this week so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, Naquin falling off, you know, I don't, he's, he'll get a hit again at some point. He was obviously due to regress. Um, so I'm not concerned about a bad week from him, but I do think we're probably reaching the point where, you know, there are more scouting reports out there on him and teams are probably going to start to, or have already started to pitch him differently. So he won't go over the rest of the way, but his, his days of, you know, the, 950 OPS or whatever are, are probably coming to an end. Yeah, I don't think nobody's going to be able to execute it as well as Max Scherzer did probably, but there was a he laid out a really obvious plan of how to stop Tyler Naquin, which is a lot of fastballs really high. That's it. <laughs> That's all you have to do. And it, it, I don't know, was that, did nobody ever know that about him before? It seems like a really obvious hole in his swing. And I, I think even in the minors, I remember hearing that he was a good low ball hitter, but did, did nobody ever just to think to throw him high fastballs over and over again until he misses? Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I can't say I know what the scouting reports on him would have been. Uh, but yeah, certainly, I mean, and sure, you know, Scherzer can, can work a, a scouting report or work a good game plan against just about anyone. Uh, so there's no shame in, in looking silly against him. Uh, but like we said, they managed to win that game. And then Josh Tomlin, uh, with some help from questionable fielding, uh, did not look especially good yesterday. So I still think we're in kind of a shaky stretch for the rotation. Although I heard Danny Salazar is supposed to be back in a week, which I have pretty mixed feelings about. Uh, but, you know, it was good to see Bauer get turned around. And, you know, Kluber, like you said, he's been fantastic. Uh, you know, he's he's got as viable a Cy Young case as anyone in the American League right now, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we we weren't worried about him. I think a lot of people that know what FIP and War are weren't worried about him the first couple months. But it's kind of cool to see his ERA come back down and other people start to realize how good he's pitching now that he's not allowing these luck runs all the time. So I definitely think he's going to be in the running for Cy Young now. And, and on Danny, Danny Salazar, I don't, why are you worried? Do the, do the Indians have some kind of record of bringing people back too soon and maybe <laughs> them getting injured? Is that is that a thing? I don't know. Never heard of this. And I don't, I don't <laughs> want this to sound like I'm criticizing the medical staff or the coaching staff. You know, I don't. I have no idea if there's anything that should have been done differently with Brantley. I mean, it's easy to say he was brought back too soon. Um, but you know, I mean, if, if everything looks the way it's supposed to look, I guess you bring a guy back. But I just feel like the way Salazar pitched, not just that game last week, but the way he's pitched for you know the last five or six weeks. Uh, I feel like a little more rest would be good for him. 
and the Indians have that small cushion, I'd rather they give them at least one week beyond uh, what they're apparently planning to do. Uh, but there are lots of good reasons that I'm not managing uh, the Indians, and this might be one of them. Yeah, we can actually jump right into the Brantley stuff. Um, I didn't mention it a couple of days ago, but I figured the news came out, what, on Monday that he had a setback? But either way, uh, Brantley, they're calling it chronic bicep tendonitis at this point. They're in this stage of an injury. It's kind of like where he was last year where they say he could do surgery, but we don't want to quite yet. But boy, does it sound like he's on the road to surgery at this point. Maybe not even going to be back with the team this year. And if he is, maybe not that good. Um, would you rather just shut him down at this point? And just do this surgery if they have to, or just not have them worry about hitting anymore for the next few months? I tend to say shut them down. And again, you know, that's with zero medical expertise. But I just feel like, you know, whatever they're whatever they're doing, if he's going to get back, he needs either another operation or a lot more rest than he's had. Uh, I already sort of mentally, and we've talked about this in other episodes, mentally sort of stopped thinking he was going to be back and contributing. So, like, he doesn't feel like a loss to me at this point. Obviously, getting 2014-15 Brantley back would have been a huge addition. But, yeah, I tend to feel like they need to just bite the bullet and give up on the idea of him being back this season. And so whatever plan puts him in the best position to be ready come opening day next year is what they should be doing. Yeah, How about you? Yeah, I'm the same. It's just a really sad set of circumstances for him because, I mean, remember at one point when we thought he'd be back and perfectly healthy by opening day? <laughs> that was a fun time and everything. Um, yeah, but yeah they, they've they've done well without him. I mean, Jose Ramirez, although he's at third base now, but he's kind of taken Brantley's spot a little bit, just not as much power, obviously. Well, I think, um, I mean, Naquin would not have, I don't know yeah. if we would have seen Naquin at all if Brantley had been healthy all season. Between Brantley and Almonte. Uh, we certainly wouldn't have seen him this much, I don't think. So, yeah, in terms of, like, how the team's doing right now, I don't know that having had Brantley, you know, would have made, more, you know, more than a game or so's worth a difference. Now, going forward, I would much rather have, you know, full-power Michael Brantley uh, than any other outfielder. But his injury hasn't cost them as much so far as I think anyone expected. Yeah, if he came back now, it's essentially getting an all-star on a waiver wire deal, <laughs> which would be kind of nice. I guess they're going to have to find a way without him. They do have outfielders. Obviously, they won't have Amante in the postseason, but they do have enough, I think, to cobble something together for the regular season and just hope they can stumble through the playoffs. But I don't think there's going to be a Brantley in the lineup anytime soon. And there really shouldn't be. Because if he's not like over 100%, just... Don't bother. <laughs> just I want him next year at the very least. Because the Indians only have him a couple more seasons, I think. So, And you wrote that he's very similar to Travis Hafner at this point, if you want to get into a little bit more of that, too. But it's just the lingering one issue, just from that one dive that's causing him all this trouble. Yeah, I mean, and it, not enough time has passed yet for it to be like a full-blown Hafner situation. Uh, you know, but Hafner in 2008, his shoulder started to bother him. Uh, that offseason, he had an operation. And... Uh, now, he never missed a full season, which is basically what we're looking at for Brantley. But he also, he basically missed half the team's games, you know, for the, the next five years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Brantley, I don't think is probably going to be with the Indians five years from now either way. Uh, but he's signed to what should be a really good deal for the team for another two years, one guaranteed and then a club option for 2018. And it's, it's a bummer that what should be like a great deal for the team and having a great player in the lineup now starts to feel really, really shaky. Yeah, it's just kind of the way it happens, I guess. Um, if this is the end of his playing well, I don't know if I want to go that far yet, but he, he could have been really good for a long time, I think. So maybe he still will be. Hopefully he will still be. Um, so next is, you told me I had to talk about it. 
I, I'm going <laughs> to throw it out there that I'm talking about this. What is it? And then again, they're playing under protest. I'm, I'm talking under protest. Um, Roberto Perez, he came back from thumb surgery on August 9th. He has 44 plate appearances so far. He's slashing 105, 205, 132 since he came back, which... If you're wondering, is a negative six WRC plus? How do we contextualize that? He's six percent lower than <laughs> than <Adam>. zero, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if nobody was on the field, he's been six percent worse than that, I guess. But he has eleven percent walk rate, which for him is bad. He's a twenty-two point seven percent strikeout rate. Uh, yeah, in total, he has four hits and a double, a few walks. He hasn't been good. <laughs> I've leaned on the the excuse that he could have been rehabbing for a little bit. And I guess that's kind of going away. But to be fair, in the last couple games, he was kind of okay hitting. He's starting to get hard hits at least. Although he did have that one play against the Nationals, I think it was. Maybe it was the Yankees. Where he hit a ball, it was a double. But he went really slow around first. I don't think he could have turned into a triple anyway because he's just slow. But it was disappointing to see him just kind of jogging around first base and just barely got a double when it should have been easy. But overall, Is it possible that he just wasn't quite sure where he was supposed to go on a hit anymore? So he was just kind of (laughs) cautious? That's very true. He was halfway to the dugout thinking, do I go here? Do I sit down now? I don't I don't know what I do. <laughs> or he's just used to walking, I guess. Yeah, he doesn't exactly. know what happens he's when you hit and you run out. Get an easy walk or the ball is in someone's gloves. <laughs> uh, if if you would have told me that Chris Jimenez would be the best hitting <laughs> catcher in the Indians this season, I would have had so, so many questions. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jimenez is batting 204. Uh, that's like despite a, that, he's been... That's a silver slugger right now in the Indians catchers. <laughs> yeah, but compared to Jan and Roberto, that 204 batting average is uh, is looking mighty good. And if, if people are going to blame Re- or Perez for bad pitchers and all of a sudden credit everybody else, let's let it be known that he caught for Trevor Bauer's really good outing. So obviously, since, since what happened lined up with what I want to think, obviously catchers help pitchers that much. And it's obviously Roberto, Roberto Perez's fault that... Trevor Bauer got good all of a sudden, because that's how it works. <laughs> but yeah, he caught that game. It was just to give Jimenez a break, I guess. And then Jimenez was back. And then Roberto Perez just fell off a cliff again. I don't think he's had a hit in the last... He didn't have a hit in the last game, and it was pretty ugly. So, yeah. Um, there's no real help for catcher coming, I don't think, either. Because the only waiver wire deal at this point looks like Brian McCann, which the Indians, there's no way they're going to trade for him. He's way too expensive. And the minors, they have like Adam Moore. or Maybe he's injured. I haven't seen him in the box scores forever. Um, there's like no other catchers because obviously they're not going to call it Mejia. He's way away. Don't even think about that. But there's nobody in AAA. I don't, do you usually get waiver wire deals for catchers? I don't think they usually get DFA'd very often unless somebody else is calling up a big prospect. But I don't know of anything coming soon. Yeah, I can't see a situation when someone significant comes through. Uh, and not to to rehash the whole situation again. Uh, oh, don't bring done them up. Is done. But it's been painful because Jonathan LaCroix seems to be hitting a home run like every other at-bat since he got to the Rangers. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I wanted pain in my life just a little tiny bit more. I know it's good for you. <laughs> Could you imagine how nice it would be to have him right now, though? Yeah, I can. <laughs> you can, really. Uh, although, I will say, I mean, Mejia, it's fun to watch his hitting streak and high end. Yeah, no, that's. That's true. Right? I mean, I'm enjoying that experience as well. But uh, since we're twisting the knife right now, can we also mention that Ben Heller just got called up on the Yankees? He's going to make his debut. He's the reliever that can hit 100, and he's going to debut. <laughs> That's our life right now. But we're if we're going to a dark playoffs, place right now. Let's try to turn things around. <laughs> so let's talk about 
Uh, upcoming schedules. How about that? Those are fun. All uh, right. So let's, I looked at this. Yeah, let's do that. Indian, Indians and Tigers. They're actually remarkably similar. They're both playing. The Indians play one game against the Red Sox, which kind of gives them one extra winning team. But in total, so the Indians are playing. The winning teams they're playing are going to be the Blue Jays, Rangers, Marlins, and Astros, and of course the Tigers. And the Tigers are going to play the Rangers, a full series against the Red Sox, Orioles, and Indians. Um, and then I figured out, I just added their wins together and all that. But their average wins are the exact same. <laughs> their schedules. 56 and 57. I'm usually never a big fan of looking at schedules and saying one team has an easier one because imagine playing the Indians right now compared to playing them when they were in the 14-game win streak. So I mean, you're playing two different teams depending on when you play them, so it's kind of hard to say that just because a team has a winning record, they're going to be good when you play them. So I usually don't look at it that much, but for what it's worth, the two teams' records are really similar, but the Indians play more winners, I guess, is kind of how it works out. Um, so yeah, what do you think of just the schedules coming up and... Uh, for what it's worth, they play seven games against each other, and they're going to have a four-game series. Is the second-to-last series of the season, so that should be really exciting, I think. And based on previous matchups, I'm okay with that. <laughs> the Indians are 11 and one against the Tigers right now, so if they can get it to 18 and one, I think they'll be set for the playoffs. <laughs> well, yeah. So I'll give you that. <laughs> that said, like the other on the other side of that coin is, uh, yeah, it's a four-game series in Detroit, the last week of the season. And if the Indians go up to Detroit for those four games and have like anything smaller than like a four-game lead, that series is going to be terrifying to me. Oh, it is. Um, Will there be? I, I'm hoping the Indians can 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 clinch before that series, <laughs> and maybe Detroit's fighting for its wild card life or something. I can live with that. Is there literally um, anything worse than? than having the lead all season long and losing it in the last series against the Tigers. I can't yeah, and think it'd of be anything. fantastic to sweep the Tigers in Detroit the last week and knock them <laughs> out of the, the playoffs and all that. So, I mean, nice. there's the potential for a huge high there, uh, but the potential for the huge low uh, is what I focus on because I, I'm a... I'm the sort of baseball fan who, who dreads the worst instead of looking forward to the best. Right. Yeah, and for what it's worth, the Indians only play the Twins six times at least. And the, the Tigers play them ten, but, I mean, the Tigers are another team, so they happen to beat up on the Twins. But at least the Indians won't play them. Uh, do you want to guess which team the Indians play the most? Uh, I don't know why they can uh, guess this, well, I know but... they've got a lot of games against the White Sox left. Yeah, it's the White Sox. They play ten against the White Sox. That's the only double digits. Other than that, it's the Tigers they play the second most. And then third is the Royals and Twins, obviously, in the division. But Yeah, and no the, more the way Major League Baseball tends to do the... The schedule now, you know, the Indians end with, like, nothing but divisional foes. The last three weeks of the season, uh, they've got seven games against the White Sox, seven games against the Tigers, and I think six games against the Royals with just one day off in there. Um, So they're going to have a lot of familiar faces those last three weeks. And so far this year, they've done really well against those three teams. So if you think there's anything to that, then the schedule looks great at the end. But we'll have to see. And uh, it will, probably won't make a huge difference. But, I mean, with the Indians, they're the kind of team that they have a first baseman and DH play a lot. Um, and they don't play in any more NL parks. So we don't have any more of the stupid NL rules that are the worst thing ever and they need to go away. <laughs> but they're going to have a DH the rest of the way. Because they only play the Marlins and the Marlins are coming up progressive field. So no more pitcher hitting for the Indians the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, the, the Tigers were super hot. And have now they just got swept in Seattle. And now they've got to go to Texas. So it'd be nice if they lose a couple more games and the Indians can kind of rebuild some of the cushion they had uh, as we get towards sort of the final quarter of the season. 
Yeah, it's kind of nice the Tigers lost like in 14 innings. And I mean, we looked at the Indians, the 19 inning game is when they're, they kind of had a little mini stumble. So maybe the Tigers are going to have one now. So that'll be fun. <laughs> I'm all for the Tigers stumbling because there's no way yes, the Royals are going to catch up, I don't think. And the t- uh, White Sox obviously aren't. So as long as the Tigers keep falling, I'm good. It is nice scoreboard watching this time of year and looking behind for once. I mean, like last year, just as a joke, with like in the last three games, <laughs> I made a post about the crazy kind of math they'd have to do to get in the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't, but it's fun having real math that works out with the Indians making the playoffs for once. Yeah, I also I can't remember what day it was. The Indians, uh, when did they have a day game this week? Whatever it was, they played uh, and they won like the first, the earliest game in all of baseball that day, which is a nice feeling because it's like, all right, this has been a good day no matter what. All that can happen now is it can be a fantastic day for the Indians or it can just be a good day. So but yeah, I don't think they have too many day games left at this point. I th- you know, Sundays are almost always day games. But I think other than the Sunday games, they've only got maybe like one or two more day games all season. That's going to be brutal with traveling, too. If they're not doing like day and then travel. So it might be interesting just seeing how many days in a row they're going to have to play and maybe they'll get worn down towards the end. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they've got the long home stretch now. But then they've got to go out to Oakland and Texas without a, a day off in there. So we'll see. There's a lot of baseball left, obviously. Yeah, just hopefully a lot of winning baseball for the Indians. Um, so sort of uh, getting off Indians for a minute. Um, I think these players both count in our generation of baseball, even though we're we're almost like 10 years apart, I think, right? Somewhere in there. You're, yes, yeah. we apparently are. I didn't realize you were a baby <laughs> until like two. So. I didn't realize you were 70 years old. <laughs> no, but so we're reading now from my blog post that I was an old man. <laughs> so Alex Rodriguez is retiring Friday. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Mark Teixeira, he's going to retire at the end of the year. And then the saddest one is Prince Fielder. He's not technically retiring. He just can't play. He didn't get cleared for his neck. Um, so he's not going to be playing baseball anymore. His press conference was just heartbreaking. And then the, the new wave of baseball is coming with Tim Tebow. <laughs> which we mentioned it when it first the news first came out that we might talk about it and nobody cares anymore. <laughs> it's been like two days. ESPN cares. cares, I assure you of that. Oh, I'm sure they do every second of the day. It's probably at the bottom ticker during the Olympics. <laughs> but yeah, apparently we'll we'll start with Tebow, I guess, just to get it out of the way. But I don't know if you saw he, Buck Showalter, uh, Orioles manager, came out pretty strongly against Tebow's tryout. For exactly the right reasons, which was, you know, he was talking about, you know, we've got players in the minor leagues, we've got players, you know, down in the Dominican, guys who have been working their tails off at baseball for years and years and years, and none of them get this sort of dramatic, likely televised, you know, or at least media horde showcase that a guy who is a good high school baseball player and hasn't played competitively in more than a decade is going to get. So I think that offended Showalter as a baseball man. And that's sort of how I feel. It's like if Tebow wants to go to some team's open audition and see if he can impress, sure. But I I really rubbed the wrong way by him getting what seems likely to be a big circus because I don't think he deserves it. I don't either, like, at all. I'm going to sort of defend Tebow and throw up my mouth a little bit. But is it really his fault? I mean, if you had the chance and you knew you could get every team to come watch you try out, wouldn't you do it? I mean, I would. It's like ESPN's fault for covering it so heavily, but I guess I can't fault him for doing it. I can fault everybody by being so attracted to it. 
And it just makes me still annoyed by Tebow, which I guess isn't his fault entirely, but... No, yeah. no, great. Yeah, like, it's not entirely his fault. And, if, yeah, I mean, get what you can get. But I don't think he's entitled to it on any merit. And people oh, getting things because of their celebrity or wealth or any of that stuff that they otherwise don't really merit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, got, I understand what you're saying in terms of not blaming him for, you know, doing what he wants and then the attention that comes with it. So be it. I don't know. I, I hope it goes poorly. I hope he <laughs> never plays a minor league game. Yes, that's he exactly goes right. back to making a lot of money doing whatever he's doing these days. That's not baseball or football because no one wants him there either. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want him. I don't wish injury on him, but I don't want him to be good at all. I want him. And to I'll grant you, if he were ball. like a basketball or track or soccer player who had sort of flamed out in his other sport and then was trying to switch over, I would have a totally different reaction. Uh, my relationship with football and my annoyance with the 365-day hysteria about it definitely colors my perception of all this. Well, can you imagine if a failed quarterback just picks up a bat and starts hitting a baseball? What it's going to do to all those people that say, baseball is so easy, anybody can do it. That's all they're going to hear from now on, <laughs> if you haven't heard of it already. It's that football is such a much harder sport. Maybe it is. I don't know. But, I mean, they're different sports entirely. But we're going to hear that baseball is so easy. Even Tim Tebow can do it if he's any good at it. But for the, I don't think he will be for what it's worth. He can hit in the batting cage. Cool. But he's not going to be able to hit any kind of, like, above high A pitching at best. <laughs> he hasn't played for over a decade other than hitting in a batting cage and probably some trainer. Yep. And, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, as for the other three players who are, you know, great baseball players on their way out. You mentioned the field or press conference, was, which was just really sad to watch. There have been a lot of morons making the, like, I refuse to feel bad for a guy who's going to get paid $80 million to do nothing. I mean, this is, like, he's, he's, he's losing his <laughs> non-family passion because of a medical issue. I don't know how people can, I don't know, I find it pretty despicable people who are like, oh, you know, who cares? Uh, and, you know, watching him, it was clear how much this is, is hurting. And then, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard much about it, but we haven't, no one has really said what, if this is going to impact his just sort of day-to-day life, or if, you know, it was just, we don't think it's safe for you to play baseball, but otherwise you're fine. Um, he's making $80 million because he earned it. You know, he, he played well enough that someone wanted to give him that contract and he deserves every penny of it. So, yeah, I think it's, it's really sad. And, you know, he, he, Probably wasn't going to have a fantastic second half of his career anyway. I mean, he'd obviously been slowed down for a few years now. and But, yeah, I thought it was really sad. I also, Mark Teixeira, to me, is just like a standard, really good career. Not a Hall of Famer, but great baseball player. You know, enjoy your last 40 games or so. Uh, but the A-Rod situation, to me, is, surprise, surprise, the more interesting one. So, before I babble about it, what, what's your take on uh, Alex Rodriguez's announcement or the Yankees announcement on his behalf. Well, first you missed the best part of Prince Fielder's conference is when he was leaving and he touched Adrian Beltre's head one last time. Yes. <laughs> you got that I didn't miss picture. it. I mention it, but that was fantastic, especially because he's with, he's got like a neck brace on and he's, you know, there for this sad press conference. Beltre can't very well like get up and, and try to hit him back or anything. And for anyone listening, who's not familiar, you should just go Google, uh, 
touch Adrian Beltre's head, you'll you'll get good stuff out of that search. Yeah, and it's scary because I mean he like instantly reflexes to push people. So I thought he was gonna do that and then that would have been all kinds of bad, but he restrained, so that was good. Uh yeah, the Mark the Alex Rodriguez thing. Um Joe Girardi's kind of being a dick. <laughs> I don't know why. The the kind of conspiracy theory I have, I guess, is that maybe he's taking one for the team and letting Alex or everybody love Alex Rodriguez and hate him in his final few games. I don't know. What other reason does he have not to play him for a couple of games? You're not a winning team. Unless he really thinks the Yankees are still trying to win for some reason. But Even if they are! Who are, they, <laughs> who are who's being benched by playing A-Rod that's going to leak? Like, you got to get Aaron Hicks in there. No sense. <laughs> and you people brought up that just, he's, George Hardy's just being an ass. <laughs> people have brought up that he's the one who played Derek Jeter the whole last season when he was terrible. It's not my job to manage a farewell tour. Yes, apparently it is, because that's what you did for Derek Jeter when the Yankees had a better chance of making the postseason and Jeter was terrible and you played him basically every day. And I completely understand that while A-Rod is a better player than Jeter, Jeter's a more significant Yankee. Like, I get that. But Jordy said, like, you already forced him to basically give up on anything more than another four games. And Jordy said at that press conference, you know, as much as he wants to play, he'll get the chance. And then he doesn't start him the first two games. And then A-Rod apparently asked if he could play third base Friday night in his last game. And Jordy said no. I feel kind of bad for Alex. Because I liked the Mariners a lot when I was growing up because of Griffey. So I as a, kind of like, as a side, I liked Alex Rodriguez too until he left. But part of me likes this disaster going on right now. <laughs> I'm loving it because it's the Yankees. Just the clown show it's become altogether. I, I kind of hope he doesn't play at all on Friday just to watch what happens. Yeah, I'm sure he will at some point, but can you imagine if he doesn't get any at-bats in his last game? I, I think he'll start the last game. I just think he's going to be a DH, but it's just bad. Like, and I was never an A-Rod fan, and I hated him when he joined the Yankees, and I enjoyed hating him. Um, <laughs> but it's baffling. George already has managed the Yankees for nine years now. They've won one World Series in that time, which for the Yankees is terrible. And the most important player on that team was Alex Rodriguez. So without A-Rod, Girardi has been managing the Yankees for almost a decade without winning a World Series and has probably been fired by now. I, it makes no sense to me. I don't care if he disliked. It just it makes no sense to me. Girardi looks petty. Uh, and it's, I mean, I don't care. I, don't, I didn't, wasn't like a Joe Girardi fan before this or anything. So it's, but he, he comes off looking terrible to me for – completely for reasons that just don't make sense to me. Yeah. If he didn't say that at the press conference, it wouldn't look quite as bad, but the fact he said as much as he want to play, he can play. And then he doesn't play him at all. It's just really weird. Um, and you mentioned hating a rod and liking it. I think that's kind of interesting thing that there's a lot of people saying because he was great. You're not allowed to hate him or anything, but that's part of sports is just hating people. It's kind of fun to have a villain. It's the same reason we hate Jonathan Lucroy. Exactly. Like, I think I'm glad okay. he was around to hate because he made things right. more interesting. And, I mean, I hated Frank Thomas, but Frank Thomas was an awesome baseball player. Alex Rodriguez is one of the five best baseball players of the last, you know, 40 years or whatever. And, he's uh, fun to and hate. the fact that he's being sort of publicly embarrassed by his manager in the last few days of his career is pathetic. And I think speaks terrible things about Girardi. I hope the Yankees, obviously I hope the Yankees continue to flounder, 
Uh, I hope he gets fired before they, you know, get all these prospects up and turn things around in a couple of years. I hope Jared is gone by then. I wonder if he will be. This um, this can't be good for just fans liking him. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't make a decision for a front office, but eventually that pressure has to build up a little bit. And see, maybe maybe he's taking the fall for Rodriguez. I'm just saying. Everybody loves Rodriguez now. Uh, <laughs> they feel the bad for him. If, if Alex Rodriguez himself announced like 10 years from now that that's what it was, uh, then I will apologize to Joe Girardi because that would be a masterful plan because it certainly has generated a ton of sympathy for A-Rod. Uh, but I don't buy for a second right now that that's what's actually going on. I think Joe Girardi's oh, just being an ass. <laughs> I don't actually think it's that. I just think it's, it's a neat side effect that going into his retirement, everybody loves Rodriguez now. But yeah, he's just kind of a dick. That's all that's to it, I think. So, anything else before we get on to the Angels preview and then eventually social media questions? Uh, no. Sad about sad about Prince Fielder. Uh, angry about Joe Girardi. <laughs> ready to move back to talking about the Indians. <laughs> sad about Roberto Perez. That's completely separate, but it's worth bringing up again. <laughs> so, the Angels, uh, they are a really bad team. I mean, that's that's where we start and end with it, really. Uh, they lost six straight coming into this series. against they, It was one against the A's and then three against the Mariners, three against the Cubs. Or no, that's not right. Either way, they lost six straight in some combination against the A's, Mariners, and Cubs. Uh, the matchups are going to be Thursday. It's going to be Kluber against righty, oh, man, Julie Chassin, I think. Uh, they acquired him from the Cub, or the, from the Braves earlier this season for who knows what reason. Um, then Friday is going to be Carrasco against Tyler Skaggs, who's coming back, who came back from Tommy John surgery. This is his first season since the surgery in 2014. Uh, Saturday it's going to be Mike Clevenger against Matt Shoemaker, Schumacher, whatever. Uh, Sunday it's they haven't announced it yet, but it's probably going to be Bauer. I would think just counting five days and going in order. He's going to be facing Jared Weaver, who's gotten a lot worse this season, even compared to his bad seasons. Offensively, they're bad. Pitching, they're even worse. <laughs> what do you think of this series? Can the Indians actually get a sweep again, or is it not going to happen? Uh, well, that would be nice. I would settle for three or four, but yeah, the Angels are bad, and it's this is not an original thought, but that they're so bad again when Mike Trout is so good again, uh, and Mike Trout's super young. Like Mike Trout can be super good for you know years and years to come. Um, but man, have they squandered a generational talent so far. Uh, he's once again the best player in baseball and once again probably not going to win the MVP because too many writers are going to be happy to overlook someone on a crappy team and someone they feel like has already gotten a lot of attention. Um, it's just baffling. You look at the roster and it just looks terrible. Like, and they don't have a tiny payroll. Like, They have managed to spend a lot of money on this roster and it's just... Garbage. I think they're still paying Vernon Wells, aren't they? For a couple more years, at least. <laughs> Probably. And the Pujols contract obviously looks terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just... I mean, it, it's obviously frustrating rooting for a team that can't spend a ton of money. But watching a team that can spend a lot of money spend it terribly is, I'm sure, just a different kind of awful. Uh, and... That's the Angels right now. I will say, you mentioned Jared Weaver, who, you're right, is not anywhere near the pitcher he used to be anymore. He does have the only Maddox any pitcher has thrown this season, 
There you go. It's, it's the middle of August almost, and there's only been one Maddox, which is driving me nuts because it's my baby, and I like seeing it get attention, and when no one pitches any, it can't get any attention. The only Maddox of 2016, Jared Weaver. <laughs> He's the, is he your Cy Young now? Unless somebody else gets <laughs> a Maddox. He's certainly in the running for just that alone. I don't care about his 5-1-9 ERA. He pitched a full game on fewer than 100 pitches, and no one That's else can do it. So at least he's been here for me this season. But I hope the Indians score 15 runs off of him. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, he doesn't need to pitch with, another Maddox. <laughs> with Mike Trout, has anybody looked up yet if there's been any more of a dramatic split between the war of one player and how bad his team's record has been over this many seasons? Yeah, I can't I mean, think of any player at the top of my someone head. Probably, it would be, yeah, there's a lot of ways you could look into, that's a good way, like you know how good one player is compared to the team's record or how good one player is to the rest of his team. Uh, yeah, like, just... That's gotta, I don't I want him to go, go anywhere else, because if he goes anywhere else, it's most likely going to be, like, the Yankees or the Red Sox or, you know, a team I don't want to have my trout. Um, and he's young enough that, you know, Angels are elsewhere. He'll probably be on some good teams at some point. But, yeah, I mean, he's, to this age, probably the best baseball player in, like, 60 years and just squandered by his team. And he, of course he can't come out and say that. I don't think he's the kind of guy that you would even, but you have to think when he's sitting sitting at home in the off season and the angels just do all this stupid things. Do you think he's getting kind of upset maybe a little bit just as a person? <laughs> There's no way he's ever going to say it or anything because he would just get flayed for it. But yeah, I always wonder too, like, I mean, there's, I guess maybe some former players after the fact would say it, but even then they'd be looking at it with hindsight. I wonder how many great players think their team is no good going into a season. Like, I wonder, you know, cause you're, they're your teammates and most of them are your, you know, you probably consider friends. Like, I wonder how often a really bad team, the, the guys on the team knew they were going to be bad and how often they were like, no, I really thought we had a good group of guys. You know, he's like, oh, you know, Albert Pujols is on this team. And, you know. <laughs> he's 107. <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, like if, if you could have gotten a 100% honest answer out of Mike Trout before this season started, what he would have said he thought the Angels were going to do this season. Yeah, I'm guessing it wouldn't have been pretty. He has to know. He obviously knows baseball. He knows his team didn't look good. And then they traded for Andleton Simmons for whatever reason. <laughs> Which that was a dumb trade, but it's just dumb thing after dumb thing. And then their old GM went on to the the Mariners, and he's doing a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, it's a disaster of an organization, and I hope the the Indians sweep him. <laughs> I do feel bad for Trout because he's so good and he seems like a nice guy. Although he's boring, I'll say that. I'd rather have Bryce Harper be good than Mike Trout. But yeah, this is going to be a weird series, and I just any loss is going to be crushing just because it's the Angels. Three weeks earlier this season when people thought Bryce Trout, Bryce Harper was Bryce better Trout. than Mike Trout because <laughs> maybe maybe Harper's going to catch up to him yet, but Harper has uh, slowed. Dr- I don't know if you've looked at his like May 1st on numbers this year, but uh, oh, it's bad. <laughs> they're not quite his 2015 numbers. It's ever since that Cubs series when they walked him like every at bat. I don't know if that's coincidence or what, but whatever that was, it triggered it, which sucks. I like Bryce Harper. I like that he's loud and obnoxious and he's good. <laughs> I like that combination of a player. We've talked about this before, I think, but Trout's just boring as a person. <laughs> yeah. And, and I sort of, I mean, I, know, I totally know what you mean. It just doesn't bother me with Trout because he's so good at baseball that I, 
As long as he's not murdering people on the side, I don't really care. He <laughs> likes the weather. That's that's fun, right? <laughs> cool. He's an edgy guy. <laughs> See, okay. but like, I think there's something to be said for him having this like super nerdy hobby on the side. I'm not saying it makes him like anything but a boring interview, but it is like an interesting quirk that he's not just like another guy who goes hunting in the off season or yeah, you know, collects fancy cars. And I don't care if someone goes hunting or collects fancy cars, but like. The best baseball player in the in the, on the planet, his like hobby is tracking the weather. is is sort of endearing in an adorable way. If he just had a bigger personality and could do something fun with the fact that he likes the weather, but you mentioned it and I completely forgot. I had, I I heard it before. I, I, in the back of my head, I remember that he liked the weather, but I completely forgot. I don't know anything about Mike Trout. And I, I bet if you ask most people on the street who are casual baseball fans, they wouldn't even know what he looked like. Which, again, we talked about that before. It's just baseball has a problem getting faces out there. But I bet most people know about Bryce Harper than Mike Trout. Yeah, but I think, and I'm not saying this makes it okay, but Bryce Harper is definitely the exception in that scenario, not the rule. I mean, we could start naming other great baseball players, and you couldn't tell me much off the field about almost any of them. And, again, that's – I'm not saying your complaint is just Mike Trout, um, but it's it's not just Mike Trout. I mean, it's just sort of normal baseball player, normal professional athlete for that matter, just kind of, and on some level, I don't blame him just because I feel like, I mean, and, and Harper accepts it, he's okay with it, and, you know, Bauer's in that same boat, but it's, I'm sure for them, a headache to have a loud personality because most of what you're going to get is criticism and people you know, giving you grief about it. So especially if you're Bauer and you're actually on Twitter and it's not like a team doing it for you, you're seeing everything people are yelling at you. So I can understand that. And who knows, maybe behind closed doors, Mike Trout is crazy. <laughs> I, I don't think that for some reason, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So anything else about the angels? Or do you want to move on to social media questions? No, uh, anything less than three out of four against the angels is going to be disappointing. Oh, yeah, and whichever one they lose is going to be heartbreaking. (laughs) Okay, so, um, as always, we're going to do social media questions on Thursdays. I ask out on Twitter and Facebook if anybody has any questions. And these are the ones we got this week. We got quite a few good ones. Uh, Last time, last time around, it was all about the Twins. This time, it was mostly anger at Abraham Amante, but I narrowed it down to a couple, I think. So, the first one, Marty Danazkak on Facebook. He wants... No, try to make the postseason. What is the plan for left field as Almonte is ineligible? Uh, I mean, Almonte wasn't on the roster most of the year to this point, so I think it would be you know a lot like we've seen for a lot of the year. Um, well, for most of the year, though, uh, Uribe was there, so it's going to be a little different because before it was just Jose Ramirez taking his spot. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like between Chisholm Hall, Naquin... Davis as sort of like your primary three. I know there's some platooning in there. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What do you, who do you think fills in on the innings Amani's getting right now? Well, I mean, he's playing against what lefties, I think. I can't remember now. But either way, if he's playing against lefties, that's going to be Brandon Geyer taking a spot, obviously. But I think, I don't know. No, because Geyer takes the place of Chisholm. So there is going to kind of be a hole there. Okay, let's work. So it's Davis in center field, Davis and Naquin, platooning. And then in right field, it's Chisholm, Hall, and Geyer. So one of the guys that's platooning right now is probably going to have to go on his negative platoon to be in left field, I would think, unless they call up Yandy Diaz or something like that. So I think it will be a little interesting in the playoffs. I don't know. Who did you think it would be? I don't know. I mean, I 
hadn't given it thought, I guess, and since I didn't know the question was coming, I did not prepare for it. But, uh, I, I mean, Almani hasn't played exclusively against lefties or righties. I mean, he's played yeah, that's true. against both. And I guess I just, he's not playing well enough for him not being there just to feel like a big problem to me. So I can't give Marty a good answer, I guess, off the top of my head in terms of what we're going to see. Um, but I don't think Marty needs to be worried about Almane's absence. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing. So he's not that big of a hole. He won't be when he's gone. They'll they'll be okay. If they were not going to be a World Series team, it's not because Abraham Almonte made them a World Series team. Right. <laughs> so the next one I'll take because I actually looked up stuff for this one. Uh, James E. Powell on Twitter wants to know who do we expect to get the call ups in September. So. Uh, basically, if anybody doesn't know, in September, the rosters, the right now, they're the 24-man roster in the majors, and there's a 40-man roster that kind of dips into the minor leagues. But come September, they're all open to 40-man. So anybody on the 40-man roster can come up and play. If they're on the roster before August 31st, they can also be in the playoffs. If they're on, I didn't look that up right. Maybe if it's on the, on the 25-man by August 31st, there is a way they can be brought up at the last second and be on the playoffs. But So who the Indians have on their 40-man that could maybe come up? Uh, they have relievers like Austin Adams, Sean Armstrong, Dylan Baker, Sean Morimondo, Ryan Merritt. I'm pretty sure we'll see quite a few of those because they've been getting cycled anyway, even when they have to be optioned. Uh, and then position players. It's first baseman Jesus Aguilar, who always seems to pop up in September and then doesn't do any good. Uh, Colin Calgo, who they signed in the offseason, who was sent down immediately. Um, and Eric Gonzalez, who we saw a little bit of earlier. Uh, other options who aren't on the 40-man could maybe be like Yandy Diaz or Joey Butler, who they signed, who I was actually a little surprised didn't get any shot in the majors this year. I thought he was a decent enough hitter. He could have got a chance. Um, although I guess that kind of goes into Naquin taking off and taking his place. But And then a very, very, very long shot, and I don't even think it'll happen at all, is Bradley Zimmer, which everybody wants, I'm sure, but it's not going to happen. I think in general it's going to be boring. <laughs> everybody always gets hyped up for the 40-man rosters opening up, but nothing really ever happens. I mean, last season, all they did was they added Armstrong and they activated Gavin Floyd and Chris Johnson. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the Indians, it's been Terry Francona's love for pitching changes. September means he's got like 17 relievers and can have everyone just pitch to one batter after the fifth inning if he wants. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like in terms of bigger impact, like outside of, you know, bullpen tinkering, I don't think we're likely to see much. I mean, like you said, Zimmer's the big hope. Uh, but he, I mean, he hasn't been bad in AAA. He's batting 309, but it's a, a pretty soft 309, I think. Uh, and the Indians, I, I think, absent feeling that Zimmer is going to be a big upgrade for them, I don't think they're going to start his, his service time clock uh, just for a few games in September. Um, so, I mean, I guess if, if he if his finger situation isn't too bad after getting hit while trying to bunt a pitch, <laughs> uh, if he's back quickly and, and starts to hit really, really well in Columbus, and then, like, I don't know, someone gets hurt or something, but short of something like that, I can't see Zimmer up, which I think for most fans, anyone other than Zimmer isn't going to feel like a significant addition. Yeah, I think uh, if there's an injury, I think it'll be Diaz even before Zimmer, just because of the clock. And I think he's a little bit older, and he's his he looks more ah, polished at the plate because he's always had a great walk rate, and then he's hitting a lot more home runs now. So he's the only one who I think isn't on the 40 man roster might have a shot. 
like you said, I don't think they're going to start Bradley Zimmer's clock just to have him sit on the bench a little bit and not do a whole lot. So, Yeah, I mean, this, this doesn't really speak to the question, but for me, the rest of August and September obviously is about the Indians winning the division. But like within that is just about you know, having Sal as our back and, you know, and healthy and good again and no one else coming down with an injury. Um, they don't need, you know, a lot of new guys to come up and, and join the team unless, uh, you know, guys are falling apart. So hopefully that doesn't happen and then there's no need for a big splashy call up. Yep. And that's, that's also kind of a good thing. The fact they don't need to start a prospect's clock to fill the hole is kind of nice. Maybe it would be nice to have Zimmer come up and play left field or even Diaz, but they don't necessarily need to push ahead of prospect, I don't think, at this point. I mean, if they had a catcher who looked good, obviously he was strong to come up now, September. But, you know, he is at least a couple of years away, so that's that's not going to happen. Oh, come on. He's hitting the ball. Just call him up. That's how it works. (laughs) If he's hitting there, he can hit up here. Come on. Okay, so our next question uh, is Joel Dobney on Facebook. Uh, he wants to know, if you're the manager, who is the odd man out of the current rotation when Salazar comes back? Uh, Mike Clevenger. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much my answer. Yeah, I mean, Tomlin hasn't looked great for a while, uh, but Clevenger hasn't either. And Tom, I mean, I, yeah, to me it's pretty straightforward. Uh, if Salazar's back, you're just back to what the rotation was most of the season. Um, I could see Clevenger staying on the roster to pitch as a reliever the rest of the season. Um, yeah, if they feel like his stuff would, would work well in that role. Um, but I don't think he hasn't done enough to, to merit staying in the rotation instead of any of the more established guys. Yeah. Cause Tomlin's had a bad couple starts, but he's been good most of the season. And for some weird reason, he's always seems to be good. So I don't think they're going to bump Tomlin out that quick just because of a couple bad outings. Uh, no, so me neither, especially without Clevenger looking really good, which he hasn't. Yeah, and that doesn't also mean to give up on Clevenger altogether. It means he's a rookie and he'll be back next season. <laughs> so, uh, Scott Guys on Twitter, he wants to know, what are the, the, the legitimate possibilities of having Mike Napoli in an Indians uniform next year? Seems like he's been a great fit. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but but yeah, do you think, as it changed... Last week, I, for whatever reason, hadn't considered the possibility of making him a qualifying offer. Uh, but given that he's on pace for 40 home runs, uh, yeah, I mean, I, he's, what, 34, I think. But this is, you know, he, he's hitting well. He's hitting really well since the All-Star break. He does seem to have been a good fit in terms of just, like, clubhouse chemistry, any of that sort of stuff. So, I, yeah, I feel like they make him a qualifying offer if he keeps playing this way. Um, I have n- no one seems to accept the qualifying offer. <laughs> well, last um, year quite a few did. Yeah, I mean, this was the first time we they, it started to happen. I gotta think Napoli takes the qualifying offer if it gets if he gets one though, just because at his age he's not going to get like a big multi year deal. I mean, he might get two years for not quite as much money. But if he's got the qualifying offer hanging over him, I don't know. I tend to think he accepts it. Certainly the Indians shouldn't. I mean, sometimes you can give a guy a qualifying offer knowing he's not going to take it. I think if the Indians make it, they have to have it budgeted that it's fine if he accepts it. Um, Which is going to be a bit of a stretch, I think. 
yeah, I mean, you know, for the Indians to pay him, you know, anyone $16 million a year uh, isn't something they've done much. Um, I think they can bring him back at that kind of money. You know, going back to the, if you could get an honest hour answer out of Mike Trout, if you couldn't get an honest answer out of the Indians front office, if they had to make him the qualifying offer right now, which obviously they don't, but, you know, if he, let's say he keeps playing like this and they give him the qualifying offer, I'd be fascinated to know if, deep down they wanted him to accept it and come back, or if deep down they'd rather have him decline it and get the draft pick. Yeah, because getting that draft pick is really good, especially with how they've been drafting. But um, So let's let's give him a number. Let's slap a percent on it so we can be wrong in a year. <laughs> <laughs> what percent chance do you think Napoli has of being on the Indians next season? Um, I will say a 70% chance. I think he's going to be back. Wow, I was going to go, actually, pretty much the complete opposite. I was going to say 30 with all things considered. Like, considering the fact that maybe they don't want to pay him and considering the fact that he might not accept a qualifying offer, I put it a little bit below 50. So, so yeah, one of us will be wrong. We'll probably forget about this in a month. <laughs> so anybody listening to this podcast in, like, 2019, let us know. I how think he'll be back. You don't. And now we have, like, an easy one of us is right, one of us is wrong. Right. So I say he'll be back. You say he won't. And now we shall wait and see. What's going to be a real bummer to me is if they make him a qualifying offer, he accepts it, and then because he accepted it, the Indians decide not to pick up their option on Carlos Santana. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I hope not. That would be a major bummer. Insane. Well, I mean... If they're going to offer it, they have to be budgeting for both, right? I don't well, know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you want to pay for two pages. Maybe it's, if Napoli accepts it, oh. then we're keeping him... And not picking up Santana's option, which I think is like twelve million or yeah, like a one point two million buyout. So basically, it's like an additional ten point eight million. Or if he declines it, then we're gonna keep Santana. I have no idea. I don't know if they're gonna want to pay their first base DH combo twenty eight million dollars next year or not. When neither of them is at this point a fantastic hitter. Um, they're both good hitters and and both showing a lot of power this year. Uh, but Santana's walk rate's also down, and you know neither of them's for a guy who's not a, like a great defensive first baseman either, and spending half the time at DH. I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if the front office doesn't want twenty eight million in in the two of them. Yeah, I can see that. Although I think in that case they wouldn't offer. I would hope. I would want to keep Carlos over Napoli. Well, just even just age alone, they're really similar hitters. But I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I would too. But if comments. Mike Napoli forty home runs, the two of us are going to be. A very small minority of people who would prefer yeah. Santana. Yep, that's true. Okay. And, you know, the, the Michael Brantley situation, I don't know that they're going to want to have first base and DH basically spoken for when they don't know what they're going to be getting with Brantley. You know, they. I feel like we obviously hope Brantley's back and, and able to play left field every day again, but there's also, I think, a pretty distinct possibility that they they want D if not first base they at least want DH open a significant amount of time. Yeah, it's a really interesting question going into the off season. I think I'm sure we'll talk about it more when it actually comes to that point. We'll know a lot more obviously by then, depending on who hits more dingers. Yeah, <laughs> that's all the questions we have. That's pretty much everything. So anything coming up with you in this next week? Uh, no. Next weekend, I'm going to Cleveland for a game. So next week when we talk, we can talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, those are the tickets you blatantly stole from me, right? Uh, yes, if by blatantly <laughs> stole, you mean had more knowledge of the Indians and successfully won 
Twitter contest, then yes, I stole them from you. <laughs> oh no, it was the baseball that if you got, we were supposed to split it. Yes, we were going to split the baseball. And I did, I offered it if you could get to Cleveland, you could go to the game, but yeah, you, no, you okay. shut you're like, no, I'm busy catching Pokemon that day. <laughs> I'm five hours away and there's there's Pokemon right here. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm five hours away. That would have been really cool to do that, I think, but I won't be there. Are you driving all the way just for that? Yeah, my wife uh, grew up around Cleveland, so uh, I was able to talk her into the hour five to five and a half hour drive by convincing her that we can go to some of her old stomping grounds, so we'll make a weekend of it. Cool. That'd be nice, at least. Yeah. Nice end of the summer trip for me. Yeah, and then I'm going to be, I'll be two hours away next week, but I'll be leaving right before that game. Or no, wait, your game is the 20th, right? Yes. So that won't be next podcast. That'll be the one after that. Well, next podcast, yes. It'll be two weeks from now is when we can talk about my actual experience. Next week, I can tell you one of the things that's going to happen in my experience, which is worth mentioning, but I'm going to save it for next week. Oh, boy. Is that a teaser? Did we just get a teaser on Let's Talk Tribe? <laughs> Tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, jeez. I'm going to... No. No, Jason. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I have nothing interesting. I'm going to be going... I'll be in Erie like two hours away. That's it. But still too far away to go see a game with kids. So, oh, and also, this kind of counts. It'll be before next podcast. Next week, I'm going to go... Oh, no, it's not. It's the end of the month. But at some point, I'm going to go to Williamsport. It's like an hour away, and the Mahoney Valley Scrappers are going to be there. And hopefully, if it's timed right, Brady Aiken's going to start, and I can watch him. So that'll be fun. That, that's that's what I have to do. That's what I have to do to see any kind of baseball. I have to drive an hour to see a low A team play an away game. <laughs> <laughs> that's my life. Why aren't they? They're short season. They're, I don't even think yeah. they count as low A. Oh yeah, they, they don't even get away. the official designation. But I have to drive an hour to see him. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Aiken's pitching, that would that would certainly be worth an hour in the car. Yeah. Well, the main thing was going to be was Tristan McKenzie, but he's going to he's in. Lake County now, which we haven't no. talked about him a lot. I don't know if you follow him, but holy cow, he had like eleven strikeouts last time he started. We can just make this a brief little thing, but do you think there's any chance maybe he could beat CC's like young debut? I don't know if that's a record for the Indians or not, but like Sabathia debuted when he was like what twenty one. I feel like in olden days, baseball teams used to like pull guys out of their high school science classes yeah. to pitch. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a chance. I mean, in recent memory, he's he's certainly pitching well enough to be fast tracked right now, and we've certainly on other teams uh, seen a lot of pitchers debut at a young age. So, you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. That, you know, if he continues to pitch well, he should continue to move quickly. Hopefully, maybe we'll talk about that next week. He'll have another starter two under his belt in Class A. Okay, so that's all we have. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Twitter, Let's Go Tribe, and Let's Go Tribe.com. And thanks for listening. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. 
In the VergeCast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.